0: Welcome along to the Forever Blue podcast. Uh, My name is Ian Cheeseman of Forever Blue, indicating that it's a Manchester City podcast. Uh, So that's what you've stumbled upon if you've not done it before. If you're a regular, if you're a subscriber, thanks very much for doing that. Really appreciate it. And thanks very much too to Howard Solicitors, who sponsor the podcast. They have us officers throughout Greater Manchester and Cheshire. They specialise in areas of law that affect the individual. So it's likely that you need some help or guidance then they'll have somebody to help you. I'm sure they will. 161 872 9999 or email law at howardsolicitors.com. And when you think of a solicitor, you always think it's going to be dead expensive or it's for people who are, you know, richer than me and whatnot. I do know that Howard solicitors are very much down to earth and want to support people who are not necessarily flush with money. So reach out to them, um, have a chat to them, tell them you heard about them on the Forever Blue podcast and I'm sure they'll do everything they can to help you. So this is the last uh, Forever Blue podcast before the World Cup and we're going to take a pause, uh, just like the football is, or at least the Premier League football is. And there won't be another podcast until after the World Cup has finished. I'm not quite sure yet what day it'll be recorded on, probably The uh, something like the Tuesday, two days after the World Cup final, but just ahead of the Liverpool game in the Carabao Cup. So we're going to take take a break and uh, we're going to go, you know, I think Erling Haaland's supposed to be going to Marbella. That's what I've heard. And then he's going to spend some time in Norway. So uh, perhaps all of us will go to Marbella and then spend some time in Norway and just basically follow Erling around. Although I did notice today that Ashton United made a cheeky bid to sign him during the window. Um, I happen to know the, the guy who is the, uh, the chairman or the joint chairman of Ashton United, who is also part of Mischief Comedy, uh, Comedy Group, who did the, the play that goes wrong that's on in the West End at the moment and came to Manchester. Um, And Jonathan is a fantastic writer, comedy writer. So I did reply to him on Twitter and put, you can see why he's such a good comedy writer, as if that's going to happen. So, um, but, you know, well done on the National United, got him a lot of publicity. So who's with me on this particular podcast? Well, we have the man who scored so many goals in his career, particularly at the beginning of his career. Obviously had some problems with injury and all along the way, and it's all chronicled in his new book, Lethal. Uh, 269 goals uh, in one season and all the ups and downs are in there Uh, Paul Molden, who is the man I'm talking about gave me a copy of the book uh, recently I've had a a flick through it I've not had a chance to properly digest it yet but I've seen enough of it to know that it's very very good Um, and I can't wait to get my teeth stuck into the book so that's something to look out for brand new book from Paul so Paul thanks very much for joining us Thank you. We've also got uh, two of our regulars, so we've got uh, Toby and Tony. So thanks very much to the two of them as well for giving up your time this evening. I should start really, Paul, before we go into the detail of, of the football and, ev- and everything, just to tell me a little bit about your book then and um, you know how long it took you to write it, what the process was like, because I know having ghostwritten books and written my own book, that um, it's quite... Therapeutic, and actually, find sometimes things out about yourself and other people you didn't even know before. So, oh. what was the process like for you, Paul?
1: Painless, really painless. Um, I got offered to do the book probably about like four years, four and a half years ago. Um, I just thought I'd have a think about it. Um, it's, it's your own story, so who wants to read your own story? Like, you know, you know the story, but um. I got I got convinced at the end, uh, by David Clayton to to have a go at it. Um so we sat down, uh, well I sat down first and got all the um all the scrapbooks out, got all the bump out. And it was quite um it took me probably what, probably about a month to go through it all. Um to, to refresh your memory about different things and dates and things. Um so yeah, we just sat down, we sat down and we started and before you knew it it was it was over and done with. Yeah. So it was um yeah, it was both the very, very therapeutic very ther- therapeutic you know you're looking back at everything not everything that you've done but all your achievements and you know things that have gone good and things that have gone wrong and uh, and gone bad yeah it was, it was very good
0: yeah was there any moment in it when you sort of made yourself reflect and think mommy I don't even remember that or you know that that was something terrible <laughs> that I'd for, that put to the back of my mind
1: to be honest with you I'd, I'd, I'd had a brain hemorrhage 10 years ago um and I was in bed for 12 months really struggling so my 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 recent memory, um especially names and things like that, is not very good. Um it's not bad, but it's not it's not like it should be. Um but the stuff, um you know, the stuff that we were talking about up to twenty two um came back no problem. Yet. it was it was very it was quite I was quite amazed how much you could remember and how much, you know, you have you have you have things that you could um you could you could recall. But luckily, having the scrapbooks and the and the bits of stuff that my mum and sister had saved for me, you know, it was learning black and white kind of things. So that was good, yeah.
0: And when you've had a life-threatening, as it that was a life-threatening situation that you faced when you've been through that, does that make you look at the world differently anyway?
1: Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. You know, and um, like you say, you know, you, you you look back at you look back at, and I'm not talking like achievements at Man City. I'm talking like you know. My running achievements as a kid, um, you know, um, just different things, you know, like you know, um, I got 70 out in in in, uh, in assembly once when I was about fourteen for the best catch that the priest who took the cricket had ever seen, and things like that. You know, he comes back and you think, well, you know, little things, but you've had a you you know you've had a, a good do at life, haven't you? You know.
0: How close were you to losing your life then, Paul? Um, how close? Um, well,
1: it was a. A negative sub subrect negative hemorrhage. So um, I think the survival rate is it's about I think it's about six percent, isn't it? So you, you do the maths. It was I was very lucky, very lucky to um, I I lay down when it happened. I lay down, and I think that's what probably saved my life because I didn't I didn't get up and I equal my blood pressure and, and all that. So it was I think it was more luck than good management that, um, that I'm still here. Yeah.
0: Well you obviously started your footballing career and the first time we became aware of you and I became aware of you by bursting onto the scene as a Guinness Book of World Records holder. Um, Mm -hmm. I know you superseded your original entry by doing it even better a couple of years later. Um, You got into City's first team, you played with some great players um, and then you had injuries, you had what you just talked about now, um, you know, health problems as well. You've you've had such ups and downs. Would you describe your life as a roller coaster? Then
1: a roller coaster, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It's. Uh, it, it, I think, I think certainly when I was playing football, you were always like you, you got five or six months injury free, and you were always thinking, what's going to happen? What's next? You know what I mean? And I think that to be fair. Has been my life outside of football as well you know there's always there's always something being lurking around the corner one thing one thing or another you know so yeah i think so i think um i got i, I got a, a my chip, first chip shopping bullet and i got up and running and doing ever so well and then we end up um, the landlord wanted a property back so it, it really we got kicked out so you know you got your business sorted out you've got your living together you've got three kids and then the landlord puts, uh, presents you an eviction notice and it's like, wow. So, yeah, I think it has been a bit of a roll, of course, for him, at
0: And when you started off, I mean, you, you were a Blue and you wanted, I, I know you, you're a Bolton lad because your Bolton lads <laughs> club was where you started scoring all these goals and perhaps Bolton was yeah. the nearest club to you, but you were a Peter Barnes fan and that was <laughs> what drove you to be a City fan, a City player, really, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, um, just a massive coincidence of, things happened. Me at me my auntie buying me the ship, the Peter Barnes shirt with the umbrella down the Umbro signs down the uh, <coughs> down the sleeves. Um Peter Barnes was on the Granada Reports thing that they did a week long, I think it was a week long thing about Peter Barnes and Man City, uh, on Granada Reports after after the news. And then all of a sudden, probably two year later, three years later, I got to go to Main Road on a on like a trial. Uh Oh, it was just, that was it, game over, yeah. So it was a, a combination of things, but Peter, you know, everybody wanted to be, everybody wanted to be Peter Vance, didn't they? You know, if they could be. And, uh, and I thought, well, if it's good enough for him, it's good, more than good enough for me, yeah.
0: What was it like living the dream then, Paul?
1: Um, uh, living the dream, well, to be fair, the first time I walked, the first time I walked down the steps, um, so in the dressing room, you've, as you looked at Main Road, you used to go up to the, outside, you used to go up to the steps, you to the offices, but to get into the um, changing rooms, there was a really steep st- st- flight of steps down from the offices. Uh, and I followed Tony Booth down there for my first time and I just thought, this is it, this is the place. And you went in the dressing rooms, you went, to, you went into the physios rooms and that was the place to be, wasn't it? You know, without a shadow of a doubt. That for me anyway, yeah.
0: Can you remember the first time you met Peter?
1: Peter? Um, well, I met him in his dad's. I'll be honest with you, I met him in his Because like, Ken was um Ken was instrumental in taking all the all the lads there, Ken, Tony, Glenn, Pardo. Uh, so I met him in his dad's room, in, in his dad's office, um probably when I probably about 15. Uh, uh, you know, but meeting Ken Barnes, meeting Tony Book, that was like big enough when I actually met Ken, uh, Pete Peter, it was it was crazy. But the first my first real um dealings with Peter was we played um Coventry in a reserve game. So, my best mate, Earl Barrett, playing um playing full-back. Uh, the ball has got smashed. I'm, I'm for sure apprentice. The ball's got smashed about 50, 60 yards out to Peter Barnes. Peter Barnes is off the pitch. Peter Barnes is off the pitch, but his touch is just on the pitch, and he's Meg He's Earl at full pelt. Full, but he's called it. He's like, the Meg's gone round him and put a wonder across him. And um, that was my first, actually, you know, one, one-on-one one with uh, seeing, Peter, seeing Peter play. And uh, that was, that was, I was mesmerised with it, absolutely mesmerised. You know what he'd done to my mate. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was time
0: when you were a star at City? Because you were, Paul, you were a star. I know you're a very modest lad, but you were a star. What's it like when it happens the other way around and somebody meets you and you're their idol?
1: Um, well, this is, to be fair, this is what I've... You know, this is what I'm I'm seeing now kind of thing, like the people that have read the book and people that have um, got in touch the day, I, the day I saw you like came up to me and said, I wanted to be you when I was, because you like probably, what, 10 years younger than me. I wanted to be you when I was at school and all this. And it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I always just play football. I never never took me eye off football. And it's surprising how many people, how um, many people followed you every move. And that, that has surprised me with, you know, with the boot peak just coming out, is it's that's a bit I find that a bit uh, a bit strange really. Because I about, I said, I... when I packed in playing football, I wanted to get away from football. So for twenty five years I've not been around football, like professional football. I've been around my kids' football and, you know, helping my kids and other kids running teams and that, but I've been away from football. So it's like I don't know whether it's like because you just come like not back on the scene, but back into it kind of thing. I don't know, it's um it's a bit strange. Very strange to be honest with you. Yeah.
0: You can't have been completely away from it. Your lad, Louis, played for City. He was a goalkeeper.
1: Oh, I've worked hard. I've worked hard, not with just my lads, but we've run teams for all three lads. Um, and we've, you know, me like I, you know, Anthony Burnett, who's CEO um, kicking out now. So Anthony and me played together as kids, nine to 16, and then we came together to run kid te- teams for our children and um, so there's been a lot so we've we worked hard we have worked hard with the kids you know with the, not my kids but you know with the, the teams for the kids so yeah we've uh, yeah we've done we've done our bit we've done our stint for the kids yeah
0: Before I bring the other lads in and we talk a bit more in detail about the current football uh, obviously you mentioned um, the chippy and I know a lot of people know that you now are involved in that so yeah. you've still got a, a chippy is it in Farmworth?
1: No no you got it I sold it um, sold it 15 months ago um I I just had a good had a good offer and I thought, you know, time for a change. So uh, the chippy's gone. Chippy's gone. It was it was in it was just where I lived, Tong So it was like um uh, the second one was in Tong Food, so I'd, I'd more or less moved on with the business. So it was that was that was nice, yeah.
0: I bet there's not many record scoring goalkeepers who go on to be the uh the manager of a chippy, eh, Paul?
1: <laughs> not no, not no <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, let 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 me bring you in in just a second again, and let me ask the other two lads first of all about City and where they are at the moment. Because here we are at the at the end of the first. I mean, I keep saying in my my head, it's we're halfway through. It's like the half, but it's not the halfway break. You know, it's fourteen games. It's twenty four to go. It should have been sixteen, but obviously the Arsenal away game and Tottenham at home were were called off, and we'll have to be squeezed into the second half of the season. But fourteen games in. Um, City of one ten. This is league, obviously one ten drawn two lost two. Um, somebody pointed out to me on social media that that is exactly the same points total. I think that City got from their opening fourteen games last season. The difference maybe being that City haven't yet to play Arsenal home and away, Tottenham home and away, Chelsea home and away, as well as clearly the Liverpool and United return games. But still. On the face of it, it doesn't seem that different. The difference is that Arsenal are five points clear at the top. So uh, as well as telling me your thoughts on that situation, um, i.e. City's overall start, there is the little matter of City losing at home to Brentford in the last game before the World Cup. And every single City fan seems to be saying it's because the players have got their mind on the World Cup. And I've got to say, I don't buy that at all. Um for a start off, Erling Haaland, who got some criticism, isn't going to the World Cup. So, um, why, why? I don't understand how Arsenal weren't affected by the World Cup or other teams weren't affected by the World Cup because the, every club's got all the top clubs have got players going. So, Toby, let's start off with you. Um, what, what, why did City lose the Brentford game and what do you think of the season so
2: far? Well yeah, I mean starting with the with the Brentford game on Sunday. Um I mean I, I said to you in the in the vlog um after the game that it was it was clear what they what they'd come to do. Um I mean they 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 set up really well. Um that first 20 minutes they they had us pinned back um and they were playing the better football. We had I think it was one chance in that first 20 minutes, probably about more of a half chance, and then they they went and got the goal and and then from that minute on it was Clear exactly what they were going to do. It was absolutely take the ball, park the bus, and and hope to get themselves a, a result from it. Um, yeah, well, isn't that goal. what
0: every team is going to do though? That is feels inferior to City.
2: Well, this is what this is what I said to you again on on Sunday in your vlog is that 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 I, I get so incredibly annoyed with people that say we play boring football. But we're forced into playing that football because the teams come to us and park the bus. You know, we, if, we, if we're playing football then, or boring football, then, then so are they. I mean, I understand why they do it. And I'm not, I'm not saying they shouldn't because, I mean, look, it got Brentford a result. I mean, it also, also almost got Fulham a result last weekend. And it probably should have got Fulham a result last weekend. But then you look at a game like us versus Liverpool... And you go well. That's every everyone talks about that being one of the best games in the se- of the season, potentially one of the best games in the world at the moment. And that's because you've got two teams. Neither team parks the bus. They both go, go both go for it, and it creates this fireworks. We both play great football, and no one's trying to. No one's playing tactics of let's let's park the bus and try and get a result. Well, just um, on the
0: part of the bus, I've got to set you up on this part of the bus thing, and and and, and obviously I yeah. get what you're saying, but yeah, yeah. you know, if, if you're Fulham, if if you're Brentford, if you're Brighton, if you're Bournemouth, whoever you are, what other tactic can you employ? I'm, I'm not I'm they saying... won't park the bus because they
2: will see themselves as equals who can go toe to toe with City. I'm not saying don't park. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm not getting annoyed from doing it. I'm getting annoyed that the reason I'm, I get annoyed by it is because people come and park the bus. Uh, these teams come apart the bus, and then and then we get we get branded as the boring football. We get bra- branded as the, the football that gets just passing around. Well, that's what we're forced into. But then, okay, on on the other flip side of that argument, as I said a few minutes ago, um, Brentford for twenty minutes had us pinned back. They were playing great. I mean, from from this first second, they, they got the possession and were p- pinning us back. And they got a goal. So, and I understand why. As soon as they got that goal, they turned around, and went right. Let's try and let's try and now park it and, and get the result out of that. But actually, when they did attack us and when they did go for us, they had us pinned back and they had the beating of us. Palace earlier in the season. Uh, I mean, this this sort of comes down to, to our overall performance as well across the season, not just on Saturday. Palace came and gave us a game, and they went went two goals up uh, uh, against us. And thank God for Erling Haaland in that game. I mean, I, I think I might have even been on the pub on, on after that after that weekend i can't remember but um yeah it, it just sort of shows that that as I say, I don't, I don't get frustrated with with the, with teams that part the bus. Of course, I understand that that's the tactic and that's what teams have got to do, um, that they feel they have to do to beat us or to to get a result out of us, especially um, at the Etihad. But then don't start saying that we're playing the boring football because when you do get a game like like us, like City Liverpool, it, it, it's absolute fireworks because you have you have teams, you have two teams that can just go at each other and 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 you see the the, the fantastic football that both teams can play.
0: Tony, let's bring you in at this point. Now, you've heard everything that, that Toby's had to say. Um, I don't want to just keep... It's a legitimate point that he makes, so whilst I've challenged it, um, it's a legitimate point because City do criticise, um, or fans do criticise City for being supposedly boring or whatever, but I, I can see the other side of it. Um, what, what what have you made? I mean, I'm going to read some tweets out a little bit later on about that uh, some fans have, have said. Um, and there are, there are a few other issues that we can talk about. But what's your overall assessment of where City are um, in that game?
3: I think we've got to put into context in terms of um, how we played. Um, I don't think we got going, uh, for one. I also felt that uh, um, Brentford sort of squoze us in certain areas. They, certain, they, they compacted midfield, stopped our, stopped our playmakers getting on the ball, forcing us to play differently in some cases. Or sorry, the refusal to play differently. I think that's that's the other thing for me is there are times when we could have gone a little bit um, sort of one direction football. And yet we opted to kind of sort of pass around, as it were, where there was no spaces. I think Brentford kind of knew, knew that we were probably going to do that. And it kind of they forced they forced that play. They also know that we play quite a high line. And again, they looked to obviously trying to get us on, on the break and the, and they had options to and they had opportunities to do that. Um, I think in terms of the way that um, once we'd set up the way we set up, I think this is probably criticism really probably at Pep is that sometimes when things are going and things are going the same, there's an opportunity to change things. And I think he opted not to do that. And I think I may have, I may have said something like this before, but there's opportunities. Um, in terms of making substitutions when he can, and especially because he was one of the advocates of having five substitutions, and then we refused to use them. That I really don't understand. Um, whilst when we played uh, Grealish and Foden at times, when we played them on, on either on either flanks, I think we've looked really good, and yet we've never gone back to that formation again. Um, I think there can be an over-reliance on Erling Haaland. Obviously, he, he's been injured, he's come back, but a criticism really probably in terms of um, reliant or over-reliant on, on Haaland. Haaland, uh, when playing at Dortmund, played every game irrespective. And I think he's really struggling with this in and out, coming off the bench or, or maybe starting and then not starting a week after. I think he plays on momentum. So I think that's, that was a big problem because it was always going to be a game when, when um, he didn't really sort of come to the fore. And I think obviously on... Um, on the weekend was was one of those games, um, so it, it, it was frustrating, um, and I felt that we didn't we didn't utilize the squad enough for me because I think there was a there was a few players that probably weren't playing as they as they normally do. Uh, there was a few few players uh, off point basically. Name names then. Well, I thought I thought De Bruyne was off point. I thought John Stones really didn't do too much. These these are key players who kind of drive other players on. Um, I thought. Cancello was in and out. Normally drives. Um, I thought a a okay play, played played well played better. Um, Foden was in and out. I th- I thought he looked like he didn't want to go into challenges. Um, that was just something I noticed. I think it was an incident the other week where he kind of backed out of a particular challenge. He did the same again uh, this week. So I think as as much as the World Cup. Um, shouldn't be used as an excuse. I think there are certain instances where you can see that on their mind is that you know I don't I don't want to get injured. So I am gonna say that, that that kind of forms part of that, in How my come opinion.
0: Gabriel Jesus didn't show any signs of that playing for
3: Arsenal. I don't think Gabby can play any other way.
0: So why can our players not play any other way then? I,
3: I think I think certain players Gabby has one level of playing, he, he plays the way he plays. I think that we've got such a Aroused- you're you're, you're,
0: you're yeah. suggesting you, you named Phil Fordham, Just you know, let's use him as an example. That Phil Fordham wasn't at his best because he was protecting himself for the World Cup, whereas Gabriel Jesus, who only knows one way to play, um, didn't didn't wasn't protecting himself for the World Cup. And I I just think that this. World Cup thing is an excuse I mean if it, it, City and, and football clubs in the Premier League are paying enormous wages to these players and we'll get Paul as an ex-player to give us his views on this in a moment but and, and I'm not saying it's all about the money but they have a duty to play at their very best in the Premier League um, and Pep claimed on Friday at the press conference, which I always attend, that he, he sort of looks in the eyes of players, and if he doesn't think that the player is going to go out there and has something else on their mind, he won't pick them, he'll pick the team that are focused and are right, and and, and to add to that, <clears throat> I'm putting you on the spot a bit here, Tony, and I don't mean it personally fine. against you, but, but you know, right. we need to have a proper debate about it, yeah. Um the, what was the diff? What tell me what the difference was between the way City played against Brentford and the way City played against Fulham, apart from the obvious, which is the score. Because going into stoppage time in the Fulham game, City were drawing one-one, and Erling Haaland got a late winner. Going into to the stoppage time of the Brentford game, it was one-one, and it happened to be Brentford that got the winner. That I mean there wasn't an to me there wasn't an awful lot of difference between those two. Performances, But yet after the performance against Fulham, everybody's saying, brilliant, you look at Pep and that's what champions do. You concede the goal against Brentford and it's like, oh, woe is me. And I'll read out some of the, the tweets in a minute. You know, people say, well, you know, we're not good enough. And it's been coming from, So it, it goes from one extreme to the other. And yet all it was about really was which team scored the late winner.
3: I think in terms of uh, Brentford, I think they were, uh, they were fairly relentless. I think they were always a threat all the time, uh, and Fulham I think not. He even no, I didn't. I didn't think that. I, I think they had opportunities, but I didn't. I didn't think they were the same threat. I also thought as well that that maybe there was a there was a little bit of complacency because we'd done what we'd done against Fulham, and that that an, an opportunity will come and we will take that opportunity. And the more and the more, the longer the game went on for, for me, I don't know, you, you, you just get these games where you can see if they, if they get a break at the right time, they're, they're, they're going to score. So you could see that. And I think what I was really surprised at um, on Saturday for me was that we forced the play. We forced the play when we don't normally need to force the play. So whether that was something inside saying, look, Brentford are not relinquishing here, they're carrying on and they're playing at this, this optimum pace and they've kept it going. Because they fought for it for every man of their team on there. They fought for each other. Um, and I think that was, was testament to, to, to obviously the result that they got. They never gave in. Um, and I just felt that we got to the point where we weren't prepared to change. And we just kept doing the same thing. And if you carry on doing the same thing, you get the you, nine times out of ten, you get, you get the end result. I was disappointed. Uh, and maybe we'll touch on something like this. Um, because of the physicality that Brentford pose in terms of a defensive point of view, I'm of the opinion that um, that there was times where we were told of their over-physicality that any touches, you go down. And I was disappointed the way that we threw ourselves to the floor at times on Saturday. Uh, now, whether that was something that was a, a, they were told to do, I don't know. But I've not seen that for, for a while. Um, I would obviously question... The De Bruyne penalty because I didn't think that was a penalty ultimately, but I know sometimes you get these and sometimes you don't. So that was that was a bit strange for me. But I thought you, you, they felt there was a little bit more panic in this game on Saturday, more so than I've seen before. Things just weren't flowing. Now whether that was players playing within themselves and etc. and not maybe going to that extra that extra uh, dimension as it were, I don't know. But that that was just how I saw it.
0: Right, I'm going to bring Paul in now. Now, I know Paul at at senior level, um, you didn't play for England, um, but you, um, and I need you to, by the way, unmute, because I've muted you um, on the uh, on the, the Zoom, just a little technicality for those who wonder how we do these things. So, um, Paul, obviously you didn't play for England at senior level, but a lot of people are saying that City weren't at it because players had their mind on the World Cup. Do you believe mm-hmm. that?
1: The massive, massive thing in it. What, what? The question you just asked me. So, when I was seventeen, I played at Old Trafford. I don't know what happened, but I chased Frank Stapleton down into a right back. Arthur Olbers, Arthur Alberson's testimonial. I chased him right back into the um, the right hand defending corner, and he pulled his hamstring. He got the World Cup. Yeah. So, it's a massive thing. The World Cup. You want to show people how good you are, how, how how great you how great you can play. What you know, and just to be there, just to go to a World cup is a massive thing. So the the players, I'm not saying the players did it, but surely it must be in the back. It has to be in the back of your mind that you know one injury on Saturday, you're not going. Uh, I'm not saying they did they, they they were like that, but I didn't see the game. I saw the Fulham game, as you know. Um, the on game, you know, City only played with ten men uh, most of the game, didn't they? Uh, we're Fulham. We're Any? We're Fulham. Worthy winners of that? I didn't think they were. I thought two-one City. That was probably you know the right result on the day. Um, but you look at Brentford. Brentford. I've just watched the highlights tonight, and I, I'm not sure if I heard it right, but I think that's Brent Brentford's first away win, isn't it this season? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, you've watched Brentford. I've watched Brentford, and I think you know they're a decent side, aren't they? You know, so you've got a combination of loads of different things, haven't you? You know, you're talking about um people not playing regular. You know, they want to play regular to get an injury, and they're coming back. And it's, you know, I thought De Bruyne was um, was from what the highlights I've seen was, you know, who can who can call him? You know, who can say anything about him? But I just thought he was a bit slack on Saturday, wasn't he? You know, so you know when he's put a couple of passes, he give away easy passes that he give away. And you know it must play. You know it must play on your mind, must not it? It must do. I don't. I don't think anybody's gone out to to lose or anybody's going out to do, give a bad performance. But at the back of your mind, it must be. It must be the. the you know, one kick or one. This you 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 know you're you out the World Cup, aren't you?
0: So, so just tell me. I mean, as I say, you can't translate this exactly into being a player with the World Cup hanging over you, Paul. But was ever an occasion when you because I. I I can't. I'm trying to imagine what it must be like to be a player, right? So, um, and, and I know that people say, well, he's got this on his mind, he's got that on his mind. When you're out on that pitch and somebody's coming into a tackle or you're about to shoot, or, you know, you, you <laughs> not shoot, for me, that's not. You what... don't, you <laughs> don't <was> think old... <laughs> about that, do you? No,
1: that's why I was always injured. Um, no, I never, never, ever thought about that. But, you know, you know, your, your experiences, because like I was 17 and, um, didn't know Frank Stapleton, but Frank Stapleton ended up coming to City for a few months when we were all coming into the first team. And you know, I just, I just sat back and thought, and I thought, Jesus, man, if he hadn't played in that game, if he hadn't been in that position, he never pulled his. And you know, it's, it's just a massive thing, and is it? No, I don't. I don't think anybody ever does on purpose. I don't. Well, I'm not saying anybody, but a vast majority wouldn't do it. But it must be. You know it. You know, because there's no, you've no leeway, have you? This 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 World Cup, you have got four days and you're in it, or whatever it is. It's it's not like you've got two or three weeks. You you, you know, if you're not fit, if you're not fit to after Saturday, you know, I wouldn't imagine you'd travel, would you? You know, so I don't know. It's um, it's it's, it, you know, it is a massive thing, subconsciously or consciously, it's a massive thing. And and you know, Brentford a decent side, aren't they? You know, I've I've watched Brentford enough. You know, they, they've got plenty of pace, they've got plenty of strength, haven't they? You know, so sooner or later, they will do, undo somebody. And is it just, you know, wrong team, wrong day? You know, I, I don't know. If they played somebody else, Southampton or whatever, they, they, you know, we'd have probably got the three points, wouldn't we?
0: There's also a theory that Ivan Tolmer, who'd been uh, rejected from the England squad, yeah. was yeah. extra motivated. Um, well, as a
1: striker, you would be, wouldn't you? Of course you would. As a, as a footballer, you would be. But let alone a striker, you know, he's these he's, you know two good goals, aren't they?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let, yeah. let me read a couple of these tweets out, because I said we were recording this podcast tonight. And so um, Ian Harley, for example, has said, because um, I just said, what have you learned from the sort of opening 14 games and, and the defeat against Brentford? And he's put the best players must be picked, i.e. Jack, meaning Jack Grealish. So that's yeah. one. Um, I, I see Tony actually is nodding along to that. So does that mean you agree with that, Tony?
3: Well, it was just this, I was going to bring that up, but if we go on form and have and, and you know and Peppers looked in their eyes at training, how is that guy not playing? Because he was, he was, he was probably playing his better football the game before, and certainly against Chelsea other than, than, than him not scoring. He, he looked good, and so surely he would have been a player that you would have put on um, you know, the following week. So I was surprised that he didn't start. Um, Calvin Phillips needs games. I really was surprised that he didn't kind of start, as it were, because they need match match fitness.
0: Okay, uh, here's another one. PJ says, Occasionally, we miss really quick wingers. Not keen on uh, Pep's chopping and changing of defenders to keep them all happy. Gave Liverpool too much respect, and days like Brentford can happen, but plenty of time to chase down, down Arsenal. So, reasonably happy. So, chopping and changing defenders... Quick wingers, Tolby. What do you think of them comments?
2: I, I, I think we're definitely missing a quick winner. I can com- I completely agree with that. Um, we've I mean we've gone from having Sane uh, and Sterling and Mara's with a lot more pace. I think he's lost his pace over the years, which which does happen um, as you get older. Um, to having you know a, a, an older version of Mara's Foden and Grealish, and you know Foden and Grealish have got their own attributes and their own. Styles which make them very good players but um for me they're not they're not out and out pacey wingers you know we, we want the, the likes of a Leroy Sané who's just lightning fast who, who can just change a game I mean and some, someone who can really just absolutely run I mean you look at Arsenal now who are realistically our closest competitors this season and they've got two wingers who are absolutely as I say lightning fast you know Martinelli and and Boya Kasaka. Just, I mean, you watch them play, and they they create so much down those wings. Um, Liverpool, Salah, Mane—they had. Um, obviously, Mane is not there anymore, but Salah and Mane—you know—you see how, how quick they are. I think we're definitely missing um, that, that sort of style of player. I don't necessarily agree with the with the chopping and changing defenders. We know. I mean, a lot of people call it pet roulette. We know that he likes to do that. We know he likes to try and and use the different styles of, of players with each other. I think we've been limited because Kyle's been missing. Um, he's a fantastic player that we we do miss. He's someone that is so crucial to that defense because he's the he's the he covers back, he can run so quick to, to cover. Um so Akanji's come in, he's he's had to, I mean, I've said it on a previous podcast, he's had to adapt to being a centre back in a pep team. And now he's had to he's done that successfully. He's played really well, and now he's had to adapt to being a right back at times. Stones has had to play at right back at times. Laporte, we've seen, can adapt to be a left back. Um, so it and and then Cancelo would obviously ideally plays on the left, but then he can sometimes play on the right. So we see that at the back. I don't necessarily agree with that, but with the with the wingers, we we definitely miss that sort of that quick uh winger. I mean, you look at how the pace of Erling Haaland um and how quick he can go from 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 naught to 60 I mean, he's he's so quick, and if if you throw a, a quick winger in there as well on the counter attack, would be would be unstoppable. I think I think maybe that, that 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 statement's correct. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: There's another one from Super Fun Happy Slide, uh, an intriguing uh, handle uh, on Twitter. Um, he says, um, and this is of course in answer to uh, what's happened so far, why the defeat against Brentford, out of steam. He questions maybe there's something to the wanderings and considerations about Pep's side getting long in the tooth. In terms of stress accumulated over the last couple of seasons, not to mention the World Cup, I can see this squad having less in the tank than the Gunners. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, lots of players. at 16, I think, of the City squad are going away to the World Cup. There won't be as many, I don't suppose, from Arsenal, from any, from any of the rivals, actually. Um, could Arsenal have more energy? I mean, it's been tough going toe-to-toe, having the demand to win every single game week after week against Liverpool for such a long time. Arsenal, in theory, are fresher. They're only in the Europa League, where they can probably put a weaker team out. There's talk of Arteta being given funds to bring in Tielemans or, you know, other top players in the transfer window, and they're apparently going to go for it. I mean, how does perhaps Paul's a good one to answer this one. How does a fatigue Affect you, Paul, mentally and physically. I mean, uh, you play two I, games a week. What's that like?
1: It's I don't know. It's better than better than training. Isn't it
0: <laughs> saves you
1: training. Um, so no, I, I don't. I think you, you know. You 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 think back to, to how how long it took City to win the uh, the Premier League. You know, and being being top of the league after 16, 14 games is all right, but it's a long old season, and it's going to be a lot even harder with the World Cup in between. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate City got more players going, but they're all not going to play to the final, are they? You know, I, you, you know, you hope a lot of City players are involved in the finals or the semi-finals, but you know they're not all going to be there for the for the duration, are they? So you know, but I think you've got to just rewind yourselves a little bit and think how hard it was for City to win the Premier League uh, and how many seasons it took them to do that. Um, so you know, are Arsenal going to do it first attempt? Don't know. I don't think. So. I personally don't think so. I think if they, if they win the Premier League this year, you know that'll be an exceptional effort, won't it? You look at Liverpool. You know how long it take them to, to, win the, to win the Premier League. You know. John, so Rogers,
0: think... John Rogers says here, um, not really been playing well for several matches. Unfortunate to have uh, only lost at home to Brentford. No real alternative to inverted fullbacks, wingers. So the game loses tempo and gets cluttered with all the wrong people on the ball at the wrong time.
1: You you, you say that, you you know, people, I understand that. I watched the Fulham game and Toby just said about, you know, about fast wingers, but what, what good are fast wingers when there's no space in behind, you know, people like, like Fulham, I only saw the Fulham game. They came, they weren't, they didn't particularly want to attack. I didn't think City, they got fortunate with, with going City winning out of 10 men. Um, but, the, but at the end of it, you know, that's how teams are playing against Man City, aren't they? You know, there's not many, like, the first the first thing that Brentford did was attack them on the left-hand side on some, on Saturday. A great run from, from the left back, but not, like, nine times out of ten, 90% out of 100. The teams are, 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 are two, two banks of, a bank of four and a bank of five, aren't they? And, you know, what kind of football do you want to play against these teams? Because there's no space, is there? There's no space in behind. You know, so it has to be that that football where you take it around a box, pass it, pass it, pass it, and trying to slip somebody in. You know, the days of playing the ball behind the full-back for a winger at Man City, I think, have, have long gone probably 15 years ago, are not they?
0: Well, I mean, last season when Erling Haaland hadn't signed for City, um, I was a big fan, actually. Well, obviously, we all were big fans because City won the league and, got to the semi-finals of the Champions League, why would you not be a fan? And Pep Guardiola football is brilliant. But I love the fact that the threat... Now, (laughs) funnily enough, Paul, as a specialist striker, you might be the wrong person and certainly disagree with this, but I actually love the fact that City had no focal point and that the opposition didn't know where the threat was coming from. So it was all about move and pass and move and pass. Gabrielle Jesus was a big part of that. So too was Raheem Sterling. Um, and now we have such a focal point that I wonder whether it's it's starting to become easier to stop that focal point. And against the frustrating, time-wasting, physical teams who put men behind the ball and park the bus and all the expressions uh-huh. that you've used, yeah. that... That it was easier to break that down with where's the threat coming from, who's it going to yeah. be, where where's that going to come from, rather I, I, than hit a ball towards Haaland. I
1: take you back twenty five years, now Quinn, when now Quinn signed. You know that was it was an unbelievable transformation on how City played, just like Arsenal played. Everything was long, um, everything went long to now. I'm not saying it's going long now to uh, Allison, but you know what I mean. It's it's that's the that's the that's the manager's call, isn't it? To bring somebody in like he's brought in as a centre-forward, you know, and that, that's why I, I can explain it. You know, you've got two dashing, you know, if teams did push push a little bit farther on and you had two dashing wingers, you know, what do they do when they get to the the the, 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 the position where they're going to cross it? Do they cross it? did they come back and play? You know, and I think that's the manager's call. He, he, signed, he signed up centre-forward and... How, how do you play? How do you play football? Do you play to it? Do you know? Do you play directly to him? Do you try and play it around the, around the box? Um, and let's, play, you know, let's be fair, the Fulham game, eleven versus eleven, would that have been, would that have been a different game? You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? You know, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's um, you know, that's that that's a good calling. But like I said, at the end of the day, they signed the lads, so they've got to play, him, haven't they? And he, he's done ever so well, hasn't he? I think maybe you're just getting a bit et up about, you know, the Fulham game, 10 men, and then the game on Saturday where you, you have got the World Cup. How many, how many lads from Brentford are going to the World Cup? Well,
3: there will you... be many, that's for sure. <laughs>
1: that's
3: no, no they, won't, they, they, they won't, but I mean, it was interesting, you talking about the left-back and um, uh, the lad there that that, that was playing for um, Brentford. Um, was he like was... A whipping, uh, R- R- Rico Henry, I think his name right. is. Uh, and, and, and basically, as far as I was concerned... Um, other than the uh, alternative left-back that they've got and they've chosen for England, who hasn't really been getting a game um, at his own club, don't really want to mention him. Yeah, um, really. I was surprised that he was obviously called uh, when you've got somebody like Rico Henry, because I'm sure we've got one more left-back in in the country. And he's been outstanding. And it was no coincidence, as far as I'm concerned, that them them two there were basically saying, right, well, this is what you're missing at the World Cup in Ivan yeah, Tony yeah. and Rico Henry. And they played out the skin and they yeah, were brilliant. Yeah. I thought they were fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, like I said,
1: I've only seen the highlights, but mm. I, 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 um, I go with you on that very much so. But you know, I think you know, yeah, you don't want to be losing games at home or just scraping through your skinny teeth. But I think you know, the last two games have been a bit different, a bit difficult, haven't they? You know. Yeah. Well,
3: yeah. Yeah. They have.
0: All right. Here's the other side of this argument from uh, Nigel Littleford on Twitter, who messaged me and said. Average performances in most games, lacking urgency and cutting edge in tight games. Wide players must be more direct. So he obviously disagrees with the. Um, all right, Fulham was against, uh, ten, you know, is it was only ten men, and Brentford was a perhaps pre World Cup. He's saying average performances in most games, and actually, if you look at. Nil-nil away at Dortmund. Nil-nil away at Seville. One-nil away at Leicester. Suddenly, City's goals are not flowing in quite the way that they once did. And since United were beaten and were 4 0 down after what half an hour or something like that, I can't help feeling that City's dynamism has just dropped a little bit. Toby,
2: I think um, I'm, I'm on the other side. Of, I'm on the other side of the argument. Is I. I think it, we do lack I mean how many times have we seen it this season I mean this is part of my argument to the wing is that how many times have we seen it where it's been passed out to Jack or Phil or or someone on the wing and they've sort of thought about running or thought about you know tr- tried a little tried a little skill or tried running uh, and then just sort of stopped passed it back and it's sort of again this, going I mean uh, going back to this sort of this boring football that um uh, stuff we were talking about earlier where we sort of forced it but, but where we're missing this quick winger who can be more direct i mean you look back to the days of of raheem or to, to again to Leroy Sané, where it was so much more direct um so I, I i don't necessarily disagree with that i think you know for the big games you look at united i mean we we turned up in that game and we we didn't just want to beat united we we wanted to thrash them we wanted to prove a point um and that was that was fantastic to watch but then I look at a game like Liverpool as well. We weren't bad. We weren't, I mean, don't get me wrong, we weren't as amazing as we were against United, but we we, we, were, we were good against Liverpool, you know. In the games we've needed to be properly good, we've stepped up. It just seems to be in these games like, you know, the likes of the Brentford, the likes of the Fulham, Palace, Aston Villa, we just haven't had that, that, quite that sharpness um, that we've had. But, but I mean... It sort of goes to a credit to what the team have achieved and, and what they've done over the years with, with Pep's tenure is, you know, everyone sort of expects as soon as we have a bad performer or a bad time, even even if we get played, you know, not necessarily our absolute best every single game. You know, the expectation is that we're going to play this amazing football every single game. It doesn't work like that. We're not going to. You know, every good team has bad games. When I mean, you, you know, on every season we're, we seem to be on track. We seem to be able to achieve ninety plus points. I mean, how many how many seasons under Pep have we achieved that and then won the league with that as well? And it now seems that because we've done that, we have this standard that we have to get ninety plus points every single season. And I'm sorry about how many teams before we started doing that were doing it. I think before we did it, Chelsea were the only ones that had on 95. I think I might be right. I think there might have been another one that got 92. I honestly can't remember. I don't know off the top of my head, but... I just think it's so unfair to start saying well you have you know you have to you have to win all these games and you know you're gonna ha- you're gonna have bad games with the run of fixtures that we, especially we've had I mean especially this season where we've had Champions League games every two weeks every every week what is it? Oh, Some oh, so of
0: everybody else who's in the Champions League.
2: Yeah, like but I, okay, well, okay, you look, at, look City at,
0: played at two less fixtures look at, than they would look have had Arsenal. to have done.
2: Look at Arsenal then. Look at Arsenal then. Who who are in the Europa League? Who who are potentially facing a not as high class of opponent um, that, that we are in 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 our in our com- in the competition. You know we've we've had. I'm not going to say it's an overly tough group. It's been you know that, that we've we've been given a hard time by Dortmund and 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 maybe you could argue Sevilla as well. But. You know, I I said to you that as long as we can win those first few games in the group, those first three games, I think we'll be through. And that was the mentality. I mean, it, we can't expect the team to play this high standard of football, high intensity every single game. It just doesn't work like that, especially when teams come and park the bus against us. We can't just be uh, amazing. I, I think, again, it goes to a credit to what. Pepp and the players have achieved over his tenure in that we've set this standard and, and you've got to give credit to liverpool as well because they've our, our little battles with liverpool every year have, have created this um aura that that standard is going to be set i mean you look at liverpool this season they're going through a bad time that doesn't mean that they're a, they're a rubbish team that doesn't mean they haven't got the quality they're just going through a bad time which is Expected it's going to happen you have bad seasons maybe they've slipped off quite a lot more than what you'd expect I agree but Arsenal are having an amazing season and I to be honest I'd rather they win it than, in, than United or Liverpool or Chelsea or anyone you know I'm, I'm actually you know you look at Arteta there and we, we've got Jesus there and Zinchenko there as well so if if we're not going to win it then I'd rather them win it but you know they're having a fantastic season and we I think people are focusing too much on the fact that we're we're you know you said earlier we're on exactly the same points tally that we were after this many games last season yes minus the fact we haven't played Liverpool sorry um Arsenal or Spurs yet so why are we criticizing we, we have we've had a few bad games let's just focus let's just get our players through the World Cup get them back and then we know what we can do we know we've seen this multiple times in seasons where we've, we've had a, we've had crap games we've played rubbish but actually then we go on ten game winning streaks and we we go and win the league in that in that in that run. So why why uh, that that's for me where, where I am with this. I can't see uh, as I, said, I can't see much behind the criticism. Too much. I understand we've played brilliantly in some games, but you can't expect that standard in every single game in every single season. It just doesn't work like that.
0: That's quite a rant from uh, Toby, so <laughs> for that, Toby. No, no that was, so I was, about to say, I was. I was
2: wondering. I'm, I'm timing that one. <laughs>
0: uh, Rajen Adishi said, uh, "Decent but slightly frustrating." So perhaps that's how you would sum it up. So, in the time we've got left on on this last podcast before the World Cup, um, the, the questions have to then centre on going forward. So, a few years ago, Leicester City won the league, and as the match, as the season went along. Everybody kept thinking they're going to slip up at some point. Leicester aren't going to be able to maintain this. So the most obvious starting point of the next part of the debate is, are Arsenal capable of maintaining this pace in the title race? So, Tony, let's hear from you now.
3: Okay, I'm going to throw it out there, to be honest. I think uh, frustration, I totally understand, Toby. I think from a football fan, um, again, yes, you want us to play as the optimum. But I'm frustrated because... I see that there's more competition this year than there has been in previous years because, you know, dare to say it, I think United are going to get better. Um, I think Newcastle with uh, some more funds in January are going to be a threat. And then you've got the likes of Arsenal who have now gone five points clear. So that may be a little bit of a frustration. The fact that we've only probably, you could argue that we've played one good team this season and that was Liverpool and we got beat. And when you look at their form, and when I say good team, I mean in terms of our title rivals and we come short in that particular game. So that, that was frustrating. So for me, um, yes, we've done OK, but we need to do better after Christmas, certainly.
0: And do you see Arsenal staying the course,
3: Tony? I do. I do. I see Arsenal. But I think not only just them, I, I honestly think that, that, that Newcastle will put something together as well. I think as an outsider, Newcastle are the team that I fear the most because I think it's all new for them. I think they've got an opportunity to spend, and I think when they when they look at what they've spent already, which hasn't been a lot, but they've got a really good team ethics. I think to push them that one level further forward, I think they will spend big in January.
0: I'll declare, and I and I've said this for a while. I still think City will win the league title this year, despite the uh, the, the fact that they're five points behind Arsenal. However, it's, it should be pointed out that Liverpool are now and and United are, are five six points behind us, so the gap between us and them going looking down is no bigger than it is looking up to Arsenal. You're right, mm-hmm. Newcastle are a little bit of a roll, they have the nut out they'll go and spend in January Pep said at the last press conference when he was Somebody was trying to, one of the journalists was trying to get him to comment on the uh, Liverpool takeover and, and it led to him saying, so we're not going to sign anybody in January. And usually I've found that what Pep says in those press conferences like that are fairly accurate. You know, he doesn't tend to to, to say that and then do exactly the opposite. So unless there's a major catastrophe you know sort of Haaland you know falls over in the bath or something while he's, he's in Marbella or Kevin De Bruyne you know gets a serious injury while he's away with Belgium um, I don't see City going out and signing you know another player but Arsenal and Newcastle might do that and we're seeing that United are starting to turn things around now Ronaldo's declared himself as being self-interested and sinking, got, you know, disappearing. So they're starting to look a bit more like a team now. It looks like they've got a stronger coach there who will stand up to, to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a few things there. Um, in terms of the World Cup, it, this is an interesting one as well because, um, you know, if you're an England fan, and I, and I admit that my, my, I don't have strong feelings towards a national team, as some people do, And the World Cup isn't something I'll be... I'm going to take a little bit of a break for a little while. In fact, Toby's going to fill in for me doing my columns in the local newspaper while I just take a a bit of a breather, you know, mid-season, have a warm down, have a bit of a rub and everything. Um, And I won't necessarily be glued to the World Cup, particularly in the early stages. But if you're an England fan, if you're a Portugal fan, you know, if you're a Germany fan... You know, if you are a fan of of Belgium, maybe, do you, do you sit there thinking, actually, it might be better if England go out early because it'll help City, or better that Belgium go out early because it'll help City because De Bruyne will get a break and come back refreshed? Paul, you played for England. I know it wasn't, you know, right up there, but you were an England player. Mm-hmm. You know, what, do, do, do you have City in your mind when you're watching England now and thinking, best of England get kicked out?
1: I'll be honest with you. I, I hope England really, you know, I hope England win the World Cup. Um, but I'm not, I'm not an avid watcher of England. I think um, in the translation of football, I think a lot gets lost when lads play for England uh, in performances and things. But I'll be, I'll be watching the England games. But you know, as, as far as you compare them to City, I've, I've never really thought
0: of it to be, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, well, you don't want Kyle Walker and Calvin Phillips and John Stones to come back injured, do you?
1: No, but on the same talk in Liverpool Liverpool have got players there, haven't they? Um, United have players there. So um... You know, I'm not sure about Arsenal. Got to keep it aren't they? Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really. know. You, you don't want any.
0: Let's be fair. I
1: know we're talking about City in the league, but you don't want any players injured, do you? you know, of course uh, not. Of course not. You know, but but I what I'm asking I is
0: whether your support for England is compromised by the fact that you you want the England, the, the English City players to come back safe. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I never think, I never think of football that way. You know, be honestly, I think. Um,
1: I think uh, you know. You, I'll, I'll sit and watch the World Cup games. I'll, you know the um, the qualifying games, as long as they, as long as they're in the cup. But no, I don't think so. I think you just hope that um, you know, that, you know, that they do well. But uh, no, I don't. I don't never think of it that way. No, I'll be honest with you.
0: Any conflict of interest for you, Toby? Oh, you need to. Uh, oh, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But
2: I mean, firstly, um, I think Arsenal. I think Arsenal can go all the way. Um, just to answer that that first little bit um i think they you know i, I think they are uh, maybe a few games ago you could sit there and go well it's just a, a patch of form for them but they are in a title race um with us they're five points ahead um but as as i said before we can go on a very long winning streak and i know it's within them to to lose some games. So but but I agree with you and I think we'll I think we'll still win the league. Um I think we we have the quality, we 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 have the squad um and we have the track record um that we've we've done for over the the past um however many years with Pep. Um but then uh yeah, just just going back to the other point, I think. I mean, I. You I, you I behind I,
0: you, I mean, I know we're on we're on Zoom here, people can't see what I can see, but behind you is is a Hamilton flag, you know. But at the same time, you've got a Norway flag which is yeah. so. But I'm assuming that <laughs> you're an England fan because you're a Hamilton fan. Uh,
2: the, so the, the Norway flag was a joke, but that 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 turn is something quite serious in the end. But
0: yeah, um, my question I'm is conflict of interest, England and the health of city players.
2: Yeah, I, I, look, I'm. I'm an England fan. I, I want England to do well. I. I I'd love more. I just love to see in my lifetime. I'd love to see England win a World Cup. That would be a, a just incredible. Um, it, it's obviously you know I'd love to see City win the Champions League, and I'd love to see um England go win a World Cup. That would. I mean, you, you know, the last time we went there was was 1966. So yeah, I mean, it, it would just be one of those things you could just look back on for the rest of your life and say, I was alive. I watched this happen. Um, So I, I I don't, I don't think, I mean, maybe for the other countries, I sort of sit there, I would, I would sit there and go watching the world cup as a fan, I would probably turn around and go, I want this team out because I don't want to play them. That's where I'd be. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily focus on the players. Yeah, of course. I think it would be in the back of my mind, Um, you know, which city players, but then all players, Play all clubs have players for each country, so you know whoever goes out is going to be helping someone somewhere, you know. So it, I think it's just swings and roundabouts, really. I think we have the most, if I'm right in saying we have the most England players, I think it's five we have in the uh, English squad, which is the most out of any club. Um, so England going out early, um, you know, even, I know you don't really avidly support England, Ian, so that, that you know, you don't you, we wouldn't really mind that. I'm guessing, uh, if England went out early, because that would help City. But again, I think it swings and roundabouts. I think if this team go out, well, that's going to help this club and this club more. I I just think at the end of the day, I, I want to see England win. That's, that's my perspective of it.
0: Any conflict of interest for you, Tony, in terms of wanting the it's not just about whether they get injured of course it's all the games that they'll play if they go all the way to the final and the mental state that they come back in pep mentioned it the other day if 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 for example um belgium get to the final just let's use them as an example belgium gets the final losing the final kevin de bruyne misses the penalty that cost belgium the world cup what mental state does he come back in even if he's fully fit so there's all that sort of Effect of the World Cup that could have, a, have an influence on City. So, as you're watching the World Cup, is all that going to go through your mind? Is City a priority, or do you just put that out of your mind?
3: I think, from a plain point of view, um, they're now coming to their peak um, in terms of the um, in terms of this time of the season. So, we're actually going into the World Cup probably one of the better sides, obviously within Europe, anyway. Um, we're going, we're, we're going into the World Cup in, in a better frame. So, as far as I'm concerned, when you equate to the games that they play between now and we would have played in, in the league, is other than the fact that it's in a, a competition as such, I don't think it should, will make that much difference at all. So, yeah, but I'm not played six or seven more
0: games that weren't City games, and yet all their matches that City are playing have still got to be played. So they mentally are, and physically, I mean... how's that going to affect them?
3: Well, I don't think it will, because what I'm saying to you is, as a player there, you're reaching your peak fitness. So therefore, when we come back into the Christmas period, when we know that it's where it's it, where it's hitting, where we know we need to turn it on, I think these players are going to be in the prime. I think what we might see, and again, Pep is really good at managing these players, is that when we get to the back end of the season, the Marches of the April time, that's where we've got to be careful, because I think that's where some sides will fall short of that, because they haven't got the same sort of squad that Man City have got that's where I think you'll see the difference is the the April time march April time when there is that intensity in terms of games you can't afford to lose and the games that you're going to be catching up and playing so um I think no not a problem um let's hope that these guys like you say obviously we don't want injuries uh, to any of our players but other than that um they'll see it as other get they'll just see it as, as some more games uh, and I'm now getting my match fitness so not a problem for me
0: Last word to you, Paul, and thanks very much for for obviously joining us uh, on this podcast. Um, looking forward to the World Cup? But,
1: uh, I'm looking forward, yeah. I, I do look forward to, to the World Cup, um, you know, because the best players in the world, are play, 99% of the best players in the world are playing them. You know, it's, it's fantastic. Um, it's a fantastic spectacle, isn't it? Um, I just hope England can, you know, we've all seen England playing the friendlies and and this European thing that we've been playing in. And it's, you just, I just hope they can go out and play and put um, um, a decent performance together, you know, and, and get uh, and get on in, in the cup. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be good, wouldn't it?
0: Uh, just a reminder that um, Paul's book, which is called Lethal uh, two, 340 Goals in One Season, The Extraordinary Life of Paul Malden, is available in time for Christmas. Um, where do we get it and how do we get a signed copy Paul
1: Oh, well, it's um, if you can get a signed copy yeah just give us a shout I'll sign anything yeah um, it's on Amazon um, we, have, we have the publishers are getting, having a bit of trouble getting to one or two bookstores especially the big ones um, but that's not to do with the publishers that's to do with their ordering policy so yeah it's, it'll be knocking but you can definitely get it on Amazon and places like that I think you can get it in, I think they're trying to put it into a club shop as well so yeah it's um, Yes, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be good. It'd be good to get feedback on what people think. You know, that'd be that'd be nice.
0: Well, I can highly recommend it. That's that's my recommendation. I'll give it five stars. Which uh, obviously, when I saw Paul play, I always gave him five stars anyway. Um, not only a great player, but a top man, as you've probably heard now on the podcast. So thanks very much for your time, Paul. Um, Thanks very much to Toby and to Tony, of course, and to you for sharing and downloading all the things that you do and all the nice comments that you make. Um, Thanks, of course, to Howard Solicitors who are in Stockport, Ashton and Cheshire. They specialise in family law. So if you're going through a separation or you're having problems to access your children or with social services, give them a call, 0161 872 or email law at howardsolicitors.com. Just a reminder, we're going to take a break now. This is the last podcast until after the World Cup. City play Liverpool, 22nd of December, Thursday night, Carabao Cup, that's the return match, and then Leeds two days after Boxing Day. So the football will come back, it'll roar back, uh, and so will the podcast. But uh, for now, we're going to take a little break. So thanks very much to everybody for listening. For sharing for telling everybody about it and most of all um thanks for for just your support of, of everything that i do including in the vlogs etc and just to mention that on youtube i do a youtube vlog at every game and during the world cup there are some videos that i'm going to be putting up um, instead of match day videos so i've been chatting to andy peebles one time radio one dj who was also the stadium announcer at City, Big Big Blue. And he talks about Colin Bell's injury, for example, um, and and his perspective because he saw Martin Buchan right after that game. He, He talks about Peter Swales. Ian Bishop talks about his time at City. So too does Rodney Marsh. So we've got some great interviews coming up. And if you're a subscriber and it's free to subscribe and you have all the notifications on, you'll know as soon as those come out and they'll be staggered during the World Cup. So the YouTube channel won't go silent, but this channel, uh, wherever you listen to it, the audio podcast will go quiet until after the World Cup. So we'll see you the other side of the World Cup. Enjoy it. And uh, remember one thing, if you only remember one thing, remember, it's great to be a Blue. <laughs>